Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real Clear Politics Takeaway for Thursday, January 12th. I'm Tom Bevin, co-founder and president of RCP. And I'm Carl Cannon, Washington Bureau Chief. Good morning, Carl. A couple of things to discuss this morning. We've got at the top of the site uh, this morning, Victor Davis Hanson writes in American Greatness <clears throat> about whether it's it's payback time for, for Democrats. Um, and this is a subject that's been come up a lot recently. Um, there have been a number of stories written about it. <clears throat> You've seen Kevin McCarthy move to kick off Ilhan Omar, Eric Swalwell, Adam Schiff from their committee posts as in many ways retaliation for what Nancy Pelosi did uh, to Republicans. There's talk of impeachment uh, of either Joe Biden or Mayorkas or somebody. What do you make of this, Carl? Is this a wise idea for Republicans to do engage in this tit for tat and and <clears throat> retaliate, or is it just a vicious cycle that keeps repeating itself and and leads us to a a more you know darker, more dysfunctional place in our democracy? If you're doing it for purposes of retaliation, um, well, then it's going to come back to you and and. Republicans would say they're just, they're getting even, but, but there are other reasons. The three people you name, you know, putting Adam Schiff on that um, January 6th commission was, and supposed to did that. Um, you know, he, she, he's a fellow California. He's an ally of hers. He has designs to run for the Senate. I mean, people forget that Eric Swalwell, I mean, he was, I didn't know if he was even old enough to be president, but he ran for president. I mean, these, these political ambitions of these Californians is getting a little out of hand, but, <laughs> but, um, you know, Schiff should not have been on that committee if the idea was to have a report that all Americans could embrace. He was fiercely anti-Trump. Um, he led the first impeachment. He, he, he's part, he's, he said things to reporters um, I was at a breakfast, a uh, Christian Science Modern Breakfast, and Adam Schiff was the guy, and he said all these things about the Russia investigation that didn't turn out to be true, and that that he was in position to know were false. Now, I'm not saying he's he's lying. I, I don't. That I wouldn't don't know be a stretch. What girl. his mindset was, but so you know, he's just a he's a you know to them he shouldn't. Republicans think he shouldn't be on the intelligence committee at all, let alone you know chair it. And and Swalwell, who was apparently compromised by a, we, we suspected compromised by a Chinese spy and is one of the most partisan people on Twitter. And that that's, that's going some, uh, you know, these, these people probably shouldn't have been on these committees in a, in a house that, that, that operated the way, you know, Sam Rayburn used to operate the house. You want to go along, get along. They have no idea of getting along with Republicans. They, they hate Republicans. Um, and Omar's, you know, has said some representative Omar, some irresponsible and inaccurate things about American allies. So I, I see why that would, that would that would happen, but but if you're doing it just to punish people, you're doing it to revenge, you catering to your base to, to to get back at them on a personal level. That's a different idea, right? It's not so much revenge as it is, let's say, and it is, it is responding to the base. The base does want. I think the Republican base does want the same standards that the you know there was also oh democratic norms, democratic norms. Trump broke them all. Nancy Pelosi broke quite a few herself uh, when she was Speaker of the House. You mean rip, ripping up the State of the Union speech on the cam- on camera? Can you imagine? Can you just imagine what <laughs> the folks on MSNBC and at the New York Times and Washington Post would say if Kevin McCarthy stood up and ripped up, yeah, ripped up Joe Biden or, or lit it on fire or something and dumped it in a trash can? I mean, 
they would be so outraged and indignant. They will have aneurysms on air. So I think there is that. It's <laughs> on the Republican side now. It's like, hey, okay, that's the way you want to play the game. You know, okay, we'll play by those rules. And here we go. The problem with that is, and, and you get locked in this thing because for that to stop, you have to have one side sort of unilaterally disarm. Or another phrase, act bigger. Act bigger. Or put the theoretically at a party. I mean, well, there's other theoretically, ways. Theoretically, you could, you know, you could have the leader of the Republicans and the leader of the of the Democrats get together and declare a truce and try and lower the temperature and all that. But the the you know, the activists in each party would find that you know, absolutely abhorrent after, after all that's been done to them, you know, to lay down arms, so to speak, would be um, just an act of, of negligence. So I suspect we're in for a lot more of this on the Republican side. And then when Democrats at some point, they're going to win back control of the house. And, you know, I'm sure we'll be in for more of that. Well, wait, Tom, wait, Tom, that's one point about what you just made. That's, that's worth emphasizing. So if Kevin McCarthy went to Hakeem Jeffries and said, hey, let's lower the temperature of the House, these people who just narrowly elected him speaker would revolt right. already. But but again, that comes to which side is to blame? Which side went first? What if Hakeem Jeffries had had a dozen Democrats vote present during the speaker battle so McCarthy could have been speaker? Then you would have had three votes instead of 15. And then, then he would be in a position to go to Jeffries and have the negotiations because he wouldn't have needed to make all these concessions to the hardliners in his caucus. I mean, you know, these things just build one after the other. And people make decisions without realizing how the other side is going to take it, how they're going to react. It's like everybody's playing checkers there instead of chess. Well, and let's be honest, uh, you know, Hakeem Jeffries, it seems like he would take a, a, a request or a proposal like that and tear it up and light it on fire and throw it in the trash can. I mean, the idea. <laughs> well, he himself was an election denier. Anyway, um, one of the things, Carl, that is obviously going to happen is uh, investigation oversight of the Biden administration. It's going to take a number of different forms. There's a piece on Real Clear Politics this morning. Luke Broadwater, New York Times, talks about all the different ways that Republicans are going to start investigating uh, the Biden administration. And obviously, at or near the top of that list is Hunter Biden. Now, the New York Times put out a big story on Hunter Biden uh, today. I think it appeared online yesterday. And where they go through, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty extensive piece. I don't know how many words it is, but it's, it's pretty substantial. And it's got, what, I don't know, uh, three bylines, Adam Entis, Michael Schmidt, and Katie Benner. And they go through some of these different allegations against Hunter Biden. What did you make of this? I mean, I have my own thoughts about it. I'll give it to you in a minute. But I'm, I'm curious as to what you thought as a, as a journalist, as a newspaper man, the way that this article was sort of framed and, and presented to the public. It's a sympathetic portrait of Hunter Biden. And Hunter Biden is a person who who lost his mother at a very early age. We've seen in another context, you know, Prince Harry's acting out and emoting. Uh, that's not a small trauma for a boy. And Hunter was a lot younger than than Prince Harry. He, he has addiction. He's an, he's an addict. And the most current scientific model, and when I say current, I mean, for 50 years, the understanding is that we should be compassionate, that, that, that addiction is not just a lack of willpower, that it's more, much more than that. And that if you're an addict for a long time, it changes the brain chemistry. So I do not 
particularly mine, people being sympathetic on that level to Hunter Biden. But there were two things about that Times piece that that conservatives noticed, and not just conservatives. One is that would the Times be, would they approach Donald Trump Jr. in the same way? Well, to ask that question is to answer it. No, they wouldn't. And the second thing is, is that the problems with Hunter Biden about, you know, taking up with his brother's widow and knocking up a, a dancer in Alabama and getting kicked out of the Navy and doing coke and all these things, they would be fodder for any president's son. But but that's not really the issue here. The issue here is that Hunter Biden monetized, he took all this money, millions of dollars from foreign entities, capitalizing on this in areas he had no expertise. He doesn't speak the Ukrainian language. He doesn't know anything about energy policy, but he's on this board of the you know, big energy company. He does business in China. He takes money from China. He has his, forms this coalition. Biden's brother, Joe Biden's brother, apparently is in on this too. And there are these uh, salacious references on the infamous Hunter Biden laptop that Joe Biden himself was getting a cut of this money. In what world should that not be investigated? And so to me, to shape a story or a narrative that the Republicans are picking on Hunter Biden and that they're being ugly about it is almost deliberately missing the point. The, the, the point here is official corruption and and cronyism and taking money from foreign entities, uh, and especially Ukraine and China, two countries that are very much in the heart of American foreign policy and what we do about it. So uh, if the Republicans don't look into that, that would be malfeasance. You disagree? Well, of course I don't disagree with that. No, and I think it's it's a lot of that gets conflated because uh, it isn't about his personal stuff. I, it, and some people are they like to say, oh, because of the videos that were on the laptop or the pictures or whatever, that that's somehow the issue. That isn't the issue at all. The thing to me about the Times piece is they say they it was a, you know they spoke to a bunch of Biden family friends and associates, and as you read through this, you know these allegations say, well, you know the Biden family says oh, well, that was nothing, and I mean they constantly use. Joe Biden's family and Hunter Biden's family and friends and circle of of associates as uh, you know sources to rebut any of these allegations. The other thing that struck me is you have to go pretty darn deep into the piece until you read the name Tony Bobolinsky, uh, who is the former associate of of Hunter Biden, um, who went on record before the convention last year, did gave an interview to Tucker Carlson had all the receipts on his BlackBerry and, and phone emails, et cetera, said publicly, this is not some anonymous source. This is a, this guy's a veteran of the U S military served honorably. As far as we know, has no other scrapes with the law. And he comes out publicly and says, I met with Joe Biden and on Hunter, you know, with Hunter and, and talked to him and he has all these emails and it's, and so here's the paragraph where they finally mentioned him. To try to make the case that either Mr. Biden played a role in his son's dealings with Mr. Yee, Republicans point to statements by Tony Bobulinski, an associate who has claimed that Hunter's father had at least some knowledge of the possible venture with CFEC, CEFC. They also cite messages in which another participant in the negotiations, James Gillier, floated the possibility that a 10% stake in the prospective company would be set aside for, quote, the big guy. Mr. Gillier later said he was unaware of any involvement 
in the CEFC discussions by Hunter's father at any time. Family members and other participants say the elder Mr. Biden never met with Mr. Yi or other company executives. And then they just move on. Well, but it was a straw man. Nobody ever alleged that Biden met with. Well, Yee. that's number one. But number but they, two is well, they the, clearly, the allegation. The allegation they clearly was clearly did not talk to Tony Bobulinski for this piece. Not interested in talking to the guy who's out there publicly on record making these allegations, who has documentation to back up his claims. They just say, well, he's made these claims. And oh, by the way, this other guy said uh, that they, he didn't have any knowledge of that and that move on. So it, it just it's astonishing to me that journalists should be seeking the truth, should be out there interviewing if they really had an interest in in collecting the information and letting the, you know, the facts, laying out the facts for the American public. Instead, it's this is to your point, this is clearly designed. The entire frame of this piece from start to finish is all about sort of a, a, a preemptive effort to diffuse these allegations as and and protect and cover for Hunter Biden instead of just saying, look, here's what we know. It would make a case study, Tom, and where we are, where we've come in journalism. Because 30 years ago, it was the New York Times that led the um, reporting on the Whitewater scandal into Bill Clinton. That scandal uh, resulted in uh, a loyalist, a Clinton loyalist going to uh, prison because she wouldn't talk. Bankruptcies, special um, prosecuted, eventually led to, um, Bill, got into Bill Clinton's sex life because he perjured himself in a sexual harassment suit and ended up in Clinton's impeachment, uh, controversial impeachment that I thought at the time should never have been brought. And it, it kind of leads us where we are today. The tit for tat for the parties, you impeach the president on the other side. Impeachment then becomes one more weapon. Uh, it had been done twice in American history. Now it's one more weapon that parties routinely use against each other. And the, and the press became, took, ended up taking sides and maybe times and regretting its role in this. And, and now what we have is sort of a return to the party press of the early founding of the Republic, you know? So the times is trying to put the best face on it and Fox news will do the opposite. It's not equivalent. I mean, most of the media is on this side, not the other one, but, but it's a, it's a sad thing because, you know, the New York, it was the New York times own publisher who came up with the famous phrase that we investigate the news without fear or favor. It doesn't seem that we do that anymore. It certainly does not. All right. On that note, we will leave it there. I'm Tom Bevan, co-founder president of Real Clear Politics. And I'm Carl Cannon, Washington Bureau Chief, and this has been the Real Clear Politics Takeaway for Thursday, January 12, 2023.